Welcome to The Black Athlete, a podcast where we put the past into the present of black sports. I'm Lewis Moore. I'm Derek White. We're sports historians here to give you the historical context for contemporary black athletes. And welcome back to The Black Athlete. I'm Lewis Moore, author of I Fight for a Living and We Will Win the Day. You can also check out my Audible about the African-American athlete on Amazon. And wait up, wait, wait, wait. The paperback for We Will Win the Day is coming out November 26th. I'm Derek White, author of The Challenge of Blackness, as well as Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Jake Gaither, Florida A&M, and the History of Black College Football. Welcome back, Lou. We are officially, this is, we, are, we decided in the pre-show to call this the beginning of season three. Because it's a new academic year. We took a summer hiatus. We are on nine-month contracts, apparently, like <laughs> academics. <laughs> um, but it's good to be back, man. We talked all summer, so it feels weird, to, but we are recording. Um, but yeah, man, this is it, man. You're, we've been doing this for now three academic years. Um, uh, so I want to say before we get started, I want to shout out Lou for telling him congratulations on being promoted to full professor. Uh, at Grand Valley State. I'm University. rich. I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not rich. I'm <laughs> the lowest paid full professor uh, in the nation, but go ahead. <laughs> he said that, not me, that he's rich. I'm just letting you know. I'm just here to report the news. Um, so congrats, homie. You are well-deserved. Uh, as he noted, the uh, paperback of We Will Win the Day is coming out in November at the, on the University Press of Kentucky. That's right. I'm just saying, I don't know anybody in UK who could have facilitated mm. that. Mm. Um, Gatekeepers. But, can, can I say yeah. something real quick about that? Um, I got the edits today for the preface preface. I just want to let you guys know when you guys read it, the preface to the paperback edition, I got done writing that in like October 2020. So things have changed since. <laughs> but like like anytime I get the edits, I just shut down. I look at it and say, oh man, that's a lot of blue or whatever color they use. Uh, this editor at Kentucky chose blue. I was like, that's a lot. Let me, let me, let me close this now. I'll look at it another day. And then you look at it. It's not that much, right? It's just like, <laughs> just kind of corrected, like silly little mistakes that you made. Um, but no, I'm, I am super, super excited um, uh, about that. And and I appreciate, you know, Kentucky coming in and, and swooping that up because I had, trust me, I had asked, a number of other people and they're they're ah, ah, ah and and kentucky day one was like boom we're in there so i'm i'm excited yeah i know i will say this is our first release on the uh race and sports series that we that i co-edit with my colleague gerald smith at the university press of kentucky so we're super excited excited for you and excited for the paperback edition uh that will be in time and uh, available for christmas which we will constantly remind you uh, over the course of this podcast in season three and ready for your classes come spring of uh, 2022. So that's what's going on. So Blue, yeah. before we get into this, is the title of this one is, is the Olympics 2020, even though it's 2021, but that's the Olympics that's being held this year. Um, wait, wait, quick- wait, wait. No, let me do one more thing before we get into this. Oh, okay. Okay. There's two things. There's two things. Y'all got to check out the Journal of African-American History because we haven't been here in a while. So yeah. Derek and I co-edited the, the Journal of African-American History. Uh, we have a special edition on on the Black Athlete. Uh, we got some fire stuff on there. So if you if you have access, I know there's paywalls. Uh, but if you need a copy of the journal, just let me know. I've got a million of them laying around here. 
because we Perot Doug Bovey sent me about 20 of them. I actually don't know where they are, but they're around here. <laughs> um, so, so we got some really good, we have, you've heard Jermaine's, uh, it's been on our podcast twice, I believe, or three times. He has a, a piece on, um, black soccer in, in Harlem in the 1920s, 1930s. Uh, Ashley Brown has a piece on, Oh my gosh. Florida A and Florida Florida A and M zone up the Gibson. And, and shout out to Florida A and M by the way for paying off all the student debt. Uh, yep. Seth Tannenbaum has has a piece on black fandom in St. Louis. Uh, David Wiggins, the David Wiggins, has a piece on 1972 Olympics protests. Am I am I leaving anything out? We have a book on the, uh, uh, you have a mirror has a state of the Amira. field piece. Anir Mira Rose Davis, which, which who is on. Uh, Burn It All Down podcast. And if you've been paying attention, she's been on, I think, I want to give her a big shout everything, out. Uh, everything. She's been, I've seen her like 10 times this week uh, talking yeah. about the Olympics. So, you know, whatever we're going to say is going to pale in comparison to uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Dr. Yeah. Davis's uh, uh, spectacular commentary that right, has been right. on your local channels. And there's a piece on uh, Black Mary. Karate. Yeah, Black Karate yeah. In, in, on the West Coast, I believe. Um, yeah, so what is a little New Jersey stuff and then the the Yay area. Um yeah. so so check that out and again DM me. I think I have at least 10 copies. Uh and once I'm on campus I can send those out cuz you know, that's that's free mail. Um and then the second thing you might have saw Derek and I on <laughs> uh, Fear of the Black Quarterback. If you have if you have Vice Sports, which I do not have Vice <laughs> Sports. So I had to steal my sister's uh, password. I won't say to what, uh, whatever app it was, but then I wound up buying that, that specific episode for like four bucks. And, and I sit down, and I watch it with my kids. I make them watch it and just point to me. <laughs> and then when, I, when, when other people are talking <laughs> besides you, I just fast forward it. Like, oh, that's Todd Boyd. Fast forward. By the way, I had nothing against Todd Boyd. He's just not me or you. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right we stay on brand stay on brand right yeah we right. Uh, it was fun we did that uh, in the middle of the pandemic uh and so, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so i'm glad it came out in in a kind of timely fashion yeah we, we it was a it was crazy last year we know we talk about our, our jobs as professors in academia and whatnot um and so we're starting to ramp back up it's it uh, to be perfectly honest you know even though we were on zoom it took a lot out of us just in terms of just always kind of on edge and so we thought we were going to be heading into fall under under different circumstances, but it looks like the Delta uh, is coming back. Uh, one of my friends on Twitter, I can't even remember who said this, but uh, they said um, uh, the Delta, the, the coronavirus is opening chapters like they're a fraternity or sorority. They on Delta right now. This is new chapters every every two weeks. Uh, I thought that was pretty hilarious, and that's where we are. So we're all trying to make trying to figure out what we're going to do in the, in the next month or so. So let's do a quick recap of some of the big things that have ha- that have happened uh, besides our own work, uh, where you could have seen us over the time since we've been on last been on the podcast. Um, let's talk about the NBA, man. What happened? You know, LeBron and them faltered, but you called Bucks and Six, so you I know you were bragging about that. Uh, uh, but what's what's the big takeaway from the NBA Finals? Oh man, Giannis is special. Uh, uh, and and there's never it's never gonna be a player like him. I mean, look at how how agile AD is, and he's just not Giannis, right? I mean, the motor's a little bit different. 
Um, but you know, it was, I thought it was a great finals. I can't believe we haven't done this since May, but <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was a great finals to showcase a lot of young talent, um, in the NBA. And, and based on today, you know, what's interesting is there's a lot, there was a lot of talk, you know, last year, all oh, the NBA's done the, the BLM protests, but Chris, Chris Paul just got 120, you know, <laughs> like, like <laughs> Mike Conley just re, re- up for 67 Lonzo ball, 85. TJ McCullough, I mean, you know, he's a scrappy Marky Mark type player, you know, from Invincible, you know, that football movie, you know, he's <laughs> TJ McCullough is like Hoosiers, like made the NBA and he's getting like 35 million. So, so I don't, I don't think they were hurt. There's plenty of money going around. Marty Bird of the Ozarks is, is, is just laundering money into the NBA, <laughs> NBA <laughs> franchises. Russell Westbrook's on the Lakers. So I'm, you know, it's midsummer or getting over summer. I'm excited about the NBA coming up and, and the NFL is right around the corner. We'll talk about that in a second, but yeah. Um, I love this time of the year when, when you have draft, you have free agency. Um, so, so I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I, I think the only, the biggest takeaway for the, from the NBA finals is obviously Giannis is, has, who had already been uh, a two-time MVP and defensive player of the year and, and uh, most improved, solidified his uh, his status as one of the, the upper echelon players um, uh, of this generation. And he's really moved in. That was really a testament to his not only his his skill, but I thought I thought the big takeaway, and then we'll come back to this concept as as well, is that his attitude. We, you know, like this is a dude who struggled from the free throw line. Um, you know, and there was a clip somewhere mid playoffs. I don't know what week it was where he talks about he had always been down shot air balls and he just kept balling out. And I thought that that was a lot about his mentality, as we saw, for instance, right. earlier in the playoffs, someone like Ben Simmons really struggled uh, as the criticism kind of increased, as the pressure of the playoffs increased and the criticism increased, his game kind of shrunk. Um, it right. also speaks to why teams are, aren't trading for Ben Simmons, right? They're not giving up a lot of assets because I think they see him as uh, a, a diminished product than he was probably two years ago. And so Giannis, and then I think the, the tester, he scored that 50-piece at the end to close Oof. out. Oof. Uh, but the thing that was probably most impressive, he was like 16 or 17 for the free throw line, right? Like So we talk about this thing there he struggled the most in, but at, in that moment he was he was pretty dominant. So yeah, man, yeah. the draft is great. I think this next generation, just before, because we know it's too early, summer league's about to start I, next later on this week, I think. And so I'm excited, but I think teams got better. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, uh, my white shout out to all our listeners out in Fresno. Jalen Green, Fresno Bulldogs, Zone, yes, Fre- yes. Fresno Zone. I'm not, I can't clown. I'm not gonna clown Fresno. I'm not gonna clown. You know, yeah, Fresno Zone, Jalen Green. Uh, it went number two. It's going to be interesting. I, I always think about the optimism of the draft. That's one yeah. of my favorite time yeah. of years of any sport is just, you know, teams and franchises and fans, you know, renewing this energy with another group of young players. So I think it's going to be exciting. And we'll go and we'll, we'll, we'll pay attention to that. Let's switch gears real quick and talk a wait, little wait, bit about. No, we can't, well, we can't switch gears. Two things, two things. One, one, when I drive in California, I never drive on a 99 past Fresno. So sorry, Fresno people. I'm a five guy. Sorry about that. <laughs> that, that, that 99 is bad luck for me. The other thing, you know what? When you brought up Giannis, Ted Lasso, he's a goldfish. 
He's a goldfish. <laughs> and he forgets, right? That's how yeah. you gotta be. If you if you're a Ben Simmons, you just gotta you just gotta watch Ted Lasso, you know, put put things, you know, just be a goldfish. Um that's it. That's it. That's all I want to That's what you want to drop some I just want to get those jokes off. Yeah. I'm you want to get some Ted Lasso in. Uh they yeah. are not paying oh, us for these these represent you know, right. these ads that no, you oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, no, this is good. Let's change grid. The NFL just started up a uh, camp, and a big issue is the biggest issue so far is not uh, Dak Prescott's, you know, injury return from injury or or Carson Wentz already breaking his foot in twelve and out twelve weeks. The number one issue facing the NFL is uh, COVID, COVID vaccinations, uh, and and what players are going to do. We're going to come back to this because this is going to be a long ongoing story. But what are your opening thoughts about what we're seeing from uh, NFL players uh, regarding um, their reluctance to to take a vaccination? Just dumb. Like I don't. Yeah, you know, we might have listeners. I won't say that. It's it's. I don't know. Like it's weird to me because it's like you put. If you're a professional football player, you put a lot of stuff in your body. Like <laughs> to get to this point, a lot of stuff that you really don't know about. The GNC stuff, the stuff that your trainer who told you water makes you weak puts in your body, the 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 cortisone shots or whatever horse tranquilizers. I don't know what these guys are putting in there. You know what I mean? Like they the painkillers. Like the Saints got fine because they had painkillers out there, like it was candy. You know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. these get, and then when it comes to a vaccine, they're like, ah oh, man. Let me study this. You're not studying anything, right? Just you're not you're not taking it. And what's worse for me, like I think it's annoying that people like Cole Beasy will come out and say, like I'm pro, I'm pro choice, right? Like mm-hmm. take it, don't take it. But even worse is when guys get asked whether you're Chase Young or in baseball Aaron Judge or or Dak, and mm-hmm. you say, oh, that's my personal choice, right? Like we're in a we're in a pandemic, and yeah. I think you have a a responsibility to be yes or no. Right. And, and if mm-hmm. it's no, you know, not, I'm not going to say cool, but you should at least say like, yeah, we should, we should get this right. Um, uh, because, <laughs> because it protects us, right. It protects us as, as a society it protects, you know, not just yourself and, and your family, but, but the rest of us. Right. And, and, and that's the frustrating part for me is that they won't do it and then they think of ways and you know part of it though too is we said i think we've said this a number of times uh if we haven't said this here i've said a lot is that it got politicized right and once it got politicized people were trained in this country to fall into camps mm-hmm. and one side who who tends to travel in conspiracy theories and fear for all of American history, right? Like this is part of it, right? Is mm-hmm. is and and they use that momentum to to really politicize the pandemic, politicize the vaccine, and here we are, right? And you have real coaches like Ron Rivera who who have legit health concerns, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can't get sick, I can't have you guys, and still guys are like, oh man, I. Uh, I'm not going to do this as a personal choice. I'm scared of needles, whatever um, they're saying. I just think it's just, you know, it's, it's bad, right? It's a bad look and it's bad for us because here we are, right? 
thinking about, I mean, you're sending your kids to school and, and within a couple of weeks, I'm sending my kids to school in three weeks. And once again, it's mask up. Right. And, and they're the ones who have no choice in this. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause our, my kids aren't old enough. One of them is she's vaccinated, but the two littles aren't old enough. Right. They're not old mm-hmm. enough to be, uh, protected from this. And, and so it takes society to protect them and society refuses to protect them. So it's really frustrating. Uh, on that level. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I went back up to your initial point about uh, the things that football players in particular as a sport, right? One of the things that the sport traffics in is this notion of toughness and willing to do anything. And we talk about um, the, the league and players, you know, they, uh, they dignify and honor dudes who who are supremely tough, who play through injuries and things. I mean, we we do this, right? We talk about, for instance, Emmett Smith, you know, playing that 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 playoff game with a separated shoulder, running for two hundred yards against the Giants. We talk about, um, you know, we talk about Jack Youngblood. I'm old, right? Just the old L.A. Rams reference. He played the yeah. whole, went to the Super Bowl, played three playoff games with a broken fibula, right? Like Ronnie uh, Lott. Ronnie Lott cut his finger off in the middle of a game like, and yeah. to, like tape it up and go back out there, right? And so I thought the interesting point, and, and this is a point that you know got a lot of pub. Uh, in the initial moments, and I hope that it gets continued, this conversation comes back up as, as training camps and, and preseason start, when Michael Irvin said that, that if you're not getting the shot, you're not committed to winning. I thought that he framed it in a really interesting way. And what's interesting, and this is, and this I think will be our last point here, is that the NFL framed it that way. They were like, look, if we forfeit games and we can't reschedule, nobody's getting paid, right? Like, you're not right. committed, That's right? Big time. Yeah. Right. And the team that's going to the team that is responsible for the outbreak uh, will will get a loss, a forfeit. Mm-hmm. Right. So like it is like it is literally about wins and losses. Right. Like and I think that that's an important and that's something I'm actually most interested in to see, like how committed are these franchises going to be in terms of, um, you know, insisting that their players you know, is Cole be you know, the interesting question. The other question is, is Cole Beasy good enough to, to not get <laughs> vaccinated? Right. Is, right? Are you like, a good enough slot receiver to not get yeah, Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. like DeAndre. Five foot, nothing. Was it DeAndre I mean, Hopkins no. who said he wasn't going to get it? I mean, yeah. he, DeAndre Hopkins is good enough to, to at least for now, to to maybe be in a different camp. But is Cole Beasy. And rich enough to, to, to buffer some of that, right? He's so got money. So I think it's a it's an interesting conversation to, that I'm actually looking forward to as we look at the kind of preseason heading right. into the thing, um, heading into the to the season. Looking forward to see how this the teams handle these COVID thing. Oh, we, this wasn't on our pre-show thing, but I want to ask real quick because this is uh, what about the SEC? Can we talk about the Texas and Oklahoma moving to SEC? You got any thoughts on that, Lou? I mean, look. First of all, shout out to NIL and these guys are getting money. So. <laughs> So financial, I mean, that quarterback at Alabama was worth. How about you know Nick Saban dropping his hit that that yeah. that number about a million, which is a recruiting ploy. And then David yeah. Shaw's like, oh, that's a, nah, man. These guys are worth a, a lot more than that. Now, now that you had the big dogs, right, like Texas and Oklahoma in there, like that's bananas. And I think there was a rumor about Clemson and Florida State, but I don't know if that's true. But that I think look, that's look, right. Yeah, right. Shout out to Vandy who just gets to be there. Uh, <laughs> like, Cash and checks. <laughs> just, like, yeah, like the best South school in the South. And it's just like, uh, whatever, we'll just make this football money. 
Um, and, and, and could probably never really compete on that level, but whatever, you're going to cash those checks. Um, you know, now that there's NIL, I wish they would still play, pay these players up. You know, I don't care. Like I, the whole point is to be entertained. And I think now that these guys are able to get that money and I think it will help them get more money. I think it's better. Um, now what happens to guys who are in the big, what is it? The big 12 who now mm. won't get that shine. Maybe, maybe they lose money, but but I don't think so. The way alumni works is look, Oklahoma state's going to compete, right? Oklahoma state's got, a, you know, I think T Boone, is he still alive? That billionaire? No, he's not, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's not, not. but they got money, right? There's a lot yeah. of oil money right there. They're, they'll still compete. They'll still figure out ways to, to, to throw money at it. And, and, you know, these other schools will do the same. Um, so that's good. I'm interested to see what the Big Ten, which has probably like 20 teams now, uh, 14, 14, what, what they'll do, right? If they're going to add another team, if, if if another team's actually big enough to be in there, and you just have like two super conferences, like like you know, like pro sports, right? You have mm-hmm. two, and and then you figure it out. Um, because I think there's enough major colleges in both basketball and football where you can have it like that, and and you know, or you, you relegate teams. Am I using that term correctly? Yeah. Look at you. Uh, it's a soccer. You get, reference. You, yeah. I've been watching Ted Lasso. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you get relegated to, to the Mac or you get relegated to, I mean, I mean, if Clemson and Florida state leave the ACC, you know, you just get relegated to these things and, and just create it because I think, you know, now that I'm rambling gone, college sports is the closest thing we have to, to soccer, right? Where, over in Europe where it's like a community game. You can walk to the pub and stuff like that. Um, I wish we had that here, right? I wish we, every every city had a major soccer team or something. We just walk in and get blottoed and watch the game. Um, so, th- so those are my initial thoughts. Like I don't pay attention a lot to college football until it starts, starts, and then there's a really big game on. But, but you know, with again, with the NILs, it's going to make it a lot easier for me to watch knowing that these guys are getting, you know, broken off a piece of money yeah no i think it's interesting I, I just on the side note i think this is an nil question that i think uh your point about nick saban dropping that recruiting bomb in the middle of his his thing was was a, a pro, a, appropriate in terms of of how the sec is trying to move uh on the big 10 front ohio state got a, a get a kid graduated early from high school uh, took summer school classes so he could en- enroll early at Ohio State in part because he wanted to take advantage of the NIL opportunities that uh, he was he would be afforded at the Ohio State University as opposed to being a high school senior. Uh, and he's you know he's not going to learn the playbook. He's super. He's a five star guy. He's super talented. But there's also like four other five star guys in the quarterback room. Um, and so this is a fan, you know, I think it's something that us, again, we're going to pay attention to as we move in the fall. Uh, but I wanted to, dis- in, you know, it's been a long summer since we've been here. So let's talk about these Olympics, man. What have you been watching? Uh, a lot of stories. Uh, black athletes, black women athletes have been at the at the center of this conversation. for the black, black diaspora. <laughs> right. Have been. I mean, I mean, think about this. A, 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 a brother named Lamont. <laughs> won a gold medal in a hundred meters for Italy, right? If right. that's not the story of the black tie sport or uh Camacho Quinn, right? Who is from like what Charleston, North Charleston, South Carolina, representing Puerto Rico, and it's Puerto Rico's second gold, gold medal. medal ever. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's just track and field or everything, maybe everything, right? Because I think it's uh, everything. It's 16. And this is different. This is a black woman, right? Mm-hmm. The other one wasn't, I don't say she's black. I don't want to get into that, the in the heights kind of controversy and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> another movie reference that we're not getting paid for. But, but yeah, like, so, so I got, I cut you off, but what have I been watching? First of all, it's so hard to watch. Um, just because of the time difference. And let's be clear, NBC, the main channel, just dropped the bag, right? Just show everything. Um, I realized I could download the app, and I started to do that because I'm a big track guy. Like, I love track. I watch track in the in the off-season, right, if it's on. Um, not the not the long-distance stuff. Sorry, long-distance rubbers in, like, Victoria Jackson and stuff. Uh, like, the shorter, the sprints. Um, so so I've been doing that. Not, not a lot of basketball. I watch three-on-three. That's exciting. Like, I love the way I saw the women's play. It's just a very intense, fast pace because they don't check the ball. I don't know if you saw it. Mm-hmm. They, if Even if it's the basket scored, they're taking it out right away at three-point line. So there's no check. So you're it's 10 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, of uh, First person to, what, 21 or whoever's winning after 10 minutes. It's pretty awesome. Um, but, no, you're, you know, this story of these Olympics for us, right, because we're so U.S.-centric is – um, is the black athlete and even before the Olympics started, mm-hmm. right? We, we can't forget Richardson, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think we were, is it fair to say we were on different sides of that? I know we're on a, uh, on a text chain and, and sometimes I can't tell who's, you know, saying what, uh, but are we, were we on different sides? Cause I was like, you know, I'm in my forties. I'm like, yeah, you knew the rules. Uh, I get like the, the issue, but I'm still like the rules were clear. That's kind of where I fell. And I know it's pretty, it's pretty lame of me. Right. And at my old age, but I'm a, you know, I'm a track guy. I'm like, here, here's the things that are listed, you know, and as a track person, you know, what goes into your body. Um, and you knew it that this was going to get you DQ'd and you did it anyway. And I was just like, well, you know, I would have sympathy for you if you're like, oh, I didn't know this is blah, blah, blah. But you're like, hey, I knew it and I did it anyway. And so I'm like, well, well, you knew the consequences. So those are the consequences. Um, and so that's where I fell um, without actually saying her coach, Dennis Mitchell's cheater. Um, I just felt like, you know, that was that was that I felt sorry for her right in, in that moment. But um, I still believed uh, that it was it. And I know like reefer's not performance enhancing but i think in that moment the ability to just like not be anxious before a race has its mm-hmm. advantages right and nobody else really got that advantage right because there mm-hmm. no nobody else smoked weed um maybe there's other people who who do well um calm, maybe you know other runners you know reefer calms them down and they weren't able to have that right and so they're going in tits too um, so I think, I know it sounds kind of lame of me, but I just think, you know, and I get it though. I get it. Like it's a bad policy and it's a bad policy. It's a bad policy, partly more than partly because of how we treat, uh, POC, um, in this, in this country and this world. But I also think it's, it was a clear, you know, this is what I can do and this is what I can't do. Uh, so that's kind of where I, I stand on that. What about you? Putting you on the spot. Um, I'm trying to remember how I felt about this. <laughs> it's I'm so not, long ago. Yeah, I know. It's what happens when we last don't. Month. Yeah. La- you know, last month. Um, let me say. I think I think two things. One, I thought I thought that her accountability 
um, and her forthrightness was um, genuine and actually refreshing in the world of sports in which people who are accused of particular, especially doping scandals are all their first response is it wasn't me. Let's go to the B test. Let's go to the C test. Let's go to the double X test. You know, like there's always this kind of thing. And she said that, you know, again, that she was coping with the, 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 the death of her parents. I, you know, I'm a, you know me, I'm an institutional historian. And I think that one of the things that is in part an institutional failure, right? Not that she didn't know what she needed to do, but I think that track and field, uh, U.S. track and field um, should have been more closely aware of, I mean, it wasn't like she was came out of nowhere to win the 100, right? Like we knew that she was the favorite uh, and that when her her mother passed, there has to be some kind of uh, institutional triggers uh, for for not just her, but for all athletes, right? Like dealing with these kinds of tragedies that can happen in the in, in you know on the cusp of the Olympics. There's something to be said about how uh, you know what's available, and I don't know what the answers are. Maybe there was stuff available that she didn't take advantage of that they offered or whatnot. But I do think that. I, you know, I tend to lean to think that there's there should be some, not to say this is taking away from her own individual responsibilities, but to really think more institutionally. Now, more broadly, I think your point about about marijuana is 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 a problem. You know, like just in general, I think it's the it's not a, necessarily a performance enhancing drug. The way it, the way it gets lumped into all these kind of things speaks to the broader kind of American politics around drugs and drug enforcement. Um, but I think this on the global scale, this is the other thing, right? What makes the Olympics very different is that it's trying to come up with policy that represents all these different nations. And some of them have far more harsh standards in terms of right. their approaches to, to just any kind of, uh, not just marijuana, but any kind of kind of what we think of as drugs, performance enhancing or not uh, in those countries. And so I think with, they're trying to be um, as stringent as possible, not to say that other countries and, and, and U.S. folks have not <laughs> broken all these rules that, when given an opportunity. But I think that the, the question of how we change this, this rule um, in terms of marijuana is a different set of questions. Yes, yes, good. And I, and I, but I do think, too, the second point is her n- not being on the relay team, right? Because you could have had her. And I think there's something else going on there. On the one hand, you don't want to disrupt the team. Maybe she had, you know, because her times got de- DQ'd, she d- technically doesn't have that, you know, that time. But you still know she's the fastest in your nation. <laughs> I think there's something going on with the track, track and field and her specifically or her camp where – they were punishing her, right? Like there's really no need not to put her on uh, the America relay, right? They should have probably put her on the relay, but I, you know, there's something going on that we don't know about uh, where they decided, look, we're just going to punish you for the whole Olympic, which, which sucks, right? Like you can't to take away someone's dream because you're not guaranteed another, another time, right? Like Mm -hmm. for uh, three years from now, because we're in 2021, there might be an injury, right? And so you might miss another Olympics. And and so to take that opportunity away uh, from her, where she clearly earned at least a spot on the relay team, um, to me, I, I, I think that's bogus. Um, so we'll leave it there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I, you know, I think, 
I think one of the things that's troubling with this Olympics in general, and this just speaks more broadly to NBC coverage, um, is that 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 gets that granular question of of why she got left off the team gets uh, pushed to the background in favor of the kind of more uplifting stories that you start to see. The one thing I do yeah. remember is that she wouldn't have been able to practice because she would have been fully suspended until like like the day before the four by four. Um, and I don't know, again, track and field is not my thing as much as I enjoy running. How much time does she need? Like how much practice does one need to, to make sure that the handoffs and whatnot are going to be smooth? Um, I right. don't know. You know, that's a good, that's a very good question. I do know that her agent is Ronaldo Nehemiah, who, who, who did not get to go to the 19, 80 Olympics was that the one in Soviet right. Union that we yeah yes, so uh, boycott yeah he's a he's a Maryland guy that's how I know this answer is that uh, yeah 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 Maryland guy played love yeah. football too Didn't yeah so hot but uh, I believe he's on like remember when that old Madden teams remember Madden used to play with the old players uh, I believe he's on one of those old teams those I Madden think he teams, was so. yeah like one of the very right. early 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 examples of Madden right it's so um, bogus just play the old guys so I could so I could run with with James Harris or Doug Williams. Just, just let me have a, just let me have an old school black quarterback once, please, please. <laughs> Can I run with Warren Moon, please, Randall Cunningham, like in a regular game? Thank you, Madden. Listen to me again. You uh, again, again, you shout out things that don't pay us. Look at the, look yeah, at this guy. Free advertising. My bad. My bad. Um, yeah. So what else? We got? I mean, obviously after after Richardson, we had uh, Simone Biles. Um, uh, dramatically withdraw from several events because of her, uh, uh, she said it was mental health, and that created an entire, for at least the last week for sure, uh, uh, set of controversies on mostly on Twitter uh, and mostly among men uh, about her inability to tough it out for the team, and right. she quit. Um, and we talked about this off off air, um, and I think that. One, I think gymnastics and the things that Simone Biles does when she's at her peak, we've never seen before. And two, uh, people are not clearly not watching. They're watching the results and they're clearly not actually watching her performance. If they were watching her performance and they saw when she did her floor exercise, her bounds 10 feet in the air as she's doing like two and a half flips or whatnot. Like the fact that she had lost her way when she said that she had the twisties and was unable to find, her, you know, her eyes and her body getting on the same page. That's that's dangerous. Right. That's not just a that's not like, oh, she ain't you know, she's checking herself out because she can't handle the pressure. That's her like literally risking permanent and, and devastating harm. The possibility of landing on one's uh, neck or arm or shoulder um, off the, off the, you know, on the balance beam or on the floor exercise or on the vault, on the uneven bars, like all that seems extremely dangerous. And I, you know, I think the thing that was frustrating for me, at least uh, watching this from a side was like the number of poor commentary about, especially from dudes who, who literally can't even do a cartwheel. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're like I can't. Oh, she quit. You, I'm like you can't do a cartwheel, right? Like you couldn't do a cartwheel 
when you were in, when you were seventeen, right? And you and then you're like, oh, she quit, she quit. And I'm like, come on, man. And I just think that some of this is that there's this conflation about sports and toughness that we see all the time. And this goes back to our early conversation about vaccines. And somehow you post to like. You know, Cole Beasley's okay because he he don't want a vaccine, but he can't tough that out uh, for the good of not only his team but also the rest of society. But Simone, who's trying to stop, per, you know, possibly prohibit, uh, not uh, prevent personal devastating injuries for the right. complicated routines that she's pulling off, somehow she's not tough. And I'm just like, we're this is silly. This is the silliest thing I've ever heard. Uh, at, you- in my yeah. life, and I'll I say just, it's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say, you know, part of it is, and that's sports. That's who we are as as a nation. We we're heavily invested in sports and the belief of what sports can do, right? And it's not just it's not it's not just wins and losses. We put our our kids in sports, and when you say, "Hey, there's going to be participation trophy," have that conversation with your class, and everybody, oh man. Because uh, if you get a participation post, you won't know how to compete in life. You're not going to get that job. You're not going to get the grades. You know, these are C students telling you that, right? <laughs> but, but, but you know, we we have this notion that sports builds this character. And for us, it's the, the America so far, we've always been invested in this idea of toughness. And what we're starting to realize is that we went wrong. Right. We are we are not ready to have a conversation about mental health just in general, but specifically in sports. And so sometimes these, you know, we we celebrate people like Kevin Love or DeMar DeRozan and we we struggle with people like Kyrie because, you know, Kyrie is Kyrie. We, We pick and choose because I think just the way we're taught about sports for the media from from day one about toughness, about, you know, doing everything for your team and camaraderie. And then you add on to that. And I, and I think some of the critique of Simone Biles are also the people who think miracle Hoosiers, Rocky are invincible. (laughs) Are the greatest. You had these underdog, like our underdog films are, have a very, very, very clear cut uh, way they're made. Um, they're to say people critiquing her and her lack of toughness, right? Because there's this kind of fake sense of toughness that these movies give us. And and we're just not prepared for, for a really great conversation. And I've said this before on Twitter. We've had opportunities. We saw Oliver McCall really have a breakdown in the ring against Linus Lewis. I believe it was like 1997 where you can go back on, on this thing called, I won't, I won't say the app cause I don't want to get free advertising. I'm saying away. <laughs> uh, you can go watch it. Um, he's literally having a breakdown in the ring mm-hmm. and there's no major conversation. Ricky Williams, no major conversation. I think Frank Bruno, the British boxer has, uh, as you know, talked about mental health in the sense of, uh, he was bipolar. Like nobody knew it, but he's Frank Bruno. Um, well, Brandon Marshall for a while, there was that conversation, but now there's no longer, he's just, he's on FX one, you know, talking, you know, unprepared, but talking sports every day, uh, <laughs> just going off the top of his dome. And so we leave, we lose those conversation. There were, there were one hit Kevin love. We move on instead of having a steady conversation. And so we, I think between Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles, uh, 
other athletes were were having a a a great opportunity, a necessary opportunity on to have a conversation about mental health in the in this nation during a pandemic, right? When people are stressing out. Um, and I think it's it's important to change the narrative of how we see the purpose of sports. Sports can't just be out there to build toughness. Sports can't just be out there to instill this idea of meritocracy in a nation where meritocracy clearly doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. Sport can be out there to teach us about things, about not just, we always have life lessons, but, but mental health has to be part of that life lesson from, from this point moving on or else we're, we're failing ourselves. Sports has to be more than just aspirational, right? Like it can't just be like, Oh, I was so inspired uh, and and that's what I want to be. Be like Mike. It can't just be this same kind right. of conversation. It has to be also reflective of the China challenges. And I think that one of the things that we forget, I mean, we don't forget because we study sports, I think, critically. And, and, and we also have students. I know I've had students. And one of the things that comes across, man, is that it's intense pressure to 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 at the at the higher level you go the more pressure it is, right? There's pressures on yourself, it's pressure from your family, it's pressure, you know, when you're talking about, um, uh, you know, you, that intense pressure and how one chooses to handle that is, is, is hard, right? And it's a hard space to be in because no matter how you do it, even though you're talking about the locker room or you're talking about camaraderie or even you're talking about individual sports like uh, tennis and gymnastics, you know, you still, it's still you inside your own way in your own head. Right. And I think that we, everybody can, I think the thing that's really disappointing is that everybody can deal with that. Right. Like it may not be to that extreme and, and that kind of spotlight, but we're all in our own ways. Me and you, we talk about this all the time. Sometimes it's hard to write articles. It's hard to write books. You look at around and you're like, dude, I got to get this done. I need to do this. You know, that pressure we talk about in academia on the tenure track of, you know, our junior scholars, who are talking about, you know, the kind of pressure they're putting on themselves to perform as to, to meet higher and higher standards so they can get tenure. Uh, our our, our non-tenure track colleagues who are who are teaching four and five classes and still trying to produce quality scholarship so they can get on the tenure track right. to have an additional set of pressures, right? I think that that, you know, we, we're talking about this in all kinds of life, you know, and I think the pandemic in many ways, um, put a spotlight because it forced us to slow down and really focus on the essentials. Uh, you know, you can't no longer just be like, I'm going to just go out and kick it and just kind of push it, you know, dance away, dance away my worries, right? You couldn't do that unless you're in your own house. And so I think that this, this moment, this is an opportunity. I think we, like you said, if sport doesn't come on the other side of this conversation um, uh, better as a, you know, right. try to improve our society the way we have this conversation, I think this is an important thing um, and that, that we shouldn't be going back. There's no need to go back to the archaic ways that we talk. Like what did you say right. earlier? Water makes you weak, right? Like the right. old way. We, we know better than that now right. in terms of sports. And, and I think that this is this is the evolution, right? Like we don't do three-a-days no more. We don't talk about just take some salt pills and, and don't drink any water. <laughs> like, you know. Right. Go right. rub some dirt on it and go back out there. Like we we didn't, you know, play through the concussions. Like we know that we've advanced in all these other kinds of spaces. And so this seems to be uh the natural next step and evolution right. uh in this subject. 
and I'll say it's really, you know, for this show, it's really important to point out that uh, uh, a lot of the leaders in this conversation are black athletes, whether it's Al Harrington on Reefer, uh, shout out to AI for getting his own strand. Um, you know, Simone Biles, Noah Masaka, DeMar DeRozan, Kyrie Irvin, who, who we, who we, we mock now, right? This is how far we've come. Like we mock, people mock Kyrie during the middle of the season. Now they're like, oh, dang, you know, Kyrie was talking about it. And I think one of the things that I think where sports can help us, and I, how to, I don't know how to quite put this, is that there is also a certain privilege if you're Noah Masaka or Kyrie Irvin where you could just, you can actually just step away, right? Mm-hmm. Very few people have that privilege where they can step away from their job mm-hmm. for for weeks, a month, and come back when they're ready. Mm-hmm. And I think if we follow sports, then we should allow that opportunity, right, for people mm-hmm. to improve our society, right? Like, oh, man, you're not dealing. And it'd be hard, right? Imagine, like, in the middle of the semester, you need two or three weeks. That would be, that that yeah. you know, that would be hard to do. We don't have those those type of jobs, but it's also hard for us to imagine that because we've never imagined that. Right. And that's We're because at and, the beginning of it. Right. Right. And because it's a part of the, the ethos of what, the way we define uh, citizenship and, and success is to power through all these obstacles. Right. And, uh, and I think that sometimes, it, you know, it's also, we have to also acknowledge that that is not also the best way uh, to handle these right. kinds of issues and i think i like that, that power that, power through power through yeah and, and i that, think that those should be stepping away yeah. is a different is a different approach right that we need some time away to 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 recenter and rethink and i think that that is very that is a different way of thinking through this this the 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 issues that may surface in our own right. individual lives beyond the world of sport i mean even in academic you know academia where we're at like summertime, people look at it like, you know, I've been off since what well, did summer school. But if I don't do summer school, it's like March to August. But every day is a work day. You know, <laughs> there's no there's people that we work at different hours, but every day and you're always under pressure, man, I got to do this. I got to do this. And we rarely say no. And it just piles on. Right. Like, I'm going to do this review. I'm going to write this article. Or I'm going to write these letters. And and we never no one ever says that we could just step away. Right. If there's a few brave people out there said, man, I'm not doing anything this summer. Right. Mm-hmm. And in reality, I don't have, I'm full. Right. But the, there's still always been that pressure on us that we have to, we constantly have to be doing something. And I think my most, my best days are when I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going to play a video game. I won't name the game mad because we don't have a sponsor. Or I'm going to go play <laughs> golf. Or, you know what I mean? Or yeah. shout out to me for having my first par ever, by the way. Uh, I don't play a lot of golf, but but I'm I'm the next I'm the next Lee Elder, uh, so <laughs> so be on the lookout for me. Uh, it's not, it sounds barriers. like we're gonna have to get a black athlete uh, black athlete pod scramble, uh, and, and oh, see yeah. what we, yeah, and yeah, see, yeah 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 you know for sure. Um, but no, I think that I think you're right, man. The ability to say no, the ability to to, to step away. And it, you can't do that when you when you're precarious, right? We talk about the economic precarity that face so many folks in the country, right? You live in paycheck to paycheck. You can't afford to stay stay away. That means no housing. That means no food. Like they won't be able to take care of your children, your other responsibilities. So, you know, I think 
you know, I think that this is a way, and I think that this is hopefully opening up sport is going to lead much of the way that we think about sport leading in other conversations like desegregation. And we think about the civil rights movement and others that this sport moment by, by Simone Biles and Naomi Saka and others uh, can lead us to have a much more fruitful and productive conversation about what mental health can be for our ourselves and our communities and our lives. And what can, what does that look like going forward as a society that it doesn't have to be go, go, go power through it. And that we really recognize um, uh, that the long-term capabilities and the long-term success of people may require sometimes that you got to recharge, reset and, and at times step away, even when you're at the height of your game. Right. 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 So no. And then lastly, Lastly, if we're talking Olympics and black athletes, Raven Saunders, uh, who who is, and I, I think I've tweeted this before, like deserves all that. Before the Olympics, I saw uh, uh, Raven Saunders during the trials, like this is the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, very unapologetic, comes as 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 is, right? Died mm-hmm. here, gold grills, mm-hmm. and still top notch that the top notch athlete and then on a podium stand threw up the X, right? Um mm-hmm. and we saw the X in the terms of um an Ethiopian runner in 2016 to raise awareness to what's going on in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. We've seen the black fist. Uh but I love what Raven Saunders had to say about the meaning of the X, right? This is where the oppressed people meet, right? It's like it's something very by intersectionality. Um I think it's very clear. It's very forceful. Um, it's a symbol that we've seen before, right? Um, and I think it's something that can spark uh, a movement um, if it gets the right attention, the right uh, necessary attention. Mm-hmm. And, and part of this is that what makes this not only so significant, obviously, given the moment that we've had over the last, I want to say, two or three years when we talked about Black Lives Matter. Since 1619. Oh, since, I'm sorry. Since, since 1619, right? Uh, but, you know, going, going back to, you know, the rise of Kaepernick and the Trayvon Martin generation and Black Lives Matter and the WNBA and the NBA, this continuation. But part of this is that in the Olympics that there's Rule 50, right? Rule 50 uh, states that um, it says, quote, no kind of demonstration or uh, or political, religious, or racial propaganda is permitted at any Olympic sites, venues, or other arenas. Um, and Rule Fifty is is was introduced in the last few years as a way to stop uh, these kinds of demonstrations that we think of iconically from the nineteen sixty eight Olympics, for instance, right? Um, but uh, that have have reemerged at various points in time as li- at, during the Olympics, as you pointed out. Uh, earlier. And so this was a rule that was basically trying to force uh, the athletes across the globe to not use their platform uh, uh, to to spot, to talk about the particular issues that uh, that are most uh, pressing for them as uh, individuals. And it's ironic, right? Because the Olympics themselves is a political venture, <laughs> right? It is selling right. a particular kind of of global politics. Uh, through sport, right? Um, and I think that uh, that um, uh, Raven Saunders uh, is, is is was at least initially investigated, and the USOC uh, came out and said that she did not violate Rule Fifty. Um, uh, but I'm not at the at the time of the, as the time of this recording, it's not clear what uh, the U uh, the Olympic Committee has said about her 
uh, demonstration. But like you said, it was a clear demonstration and, and she spoke very eloquently and clearly about what she said it meant. It was not, she didn't, she didn't backpedal. She said that this is about the intersection where all oppressed people meet. And I think that that is a powerful statement. And she is a very, she's the kind of person we should be rallying around, right? Like she's, right. like you said, right. like she's, she, she's a black Southerner. She's a, she's a queer woman. She's <laughs> extremely successful at the shot put. Uh, and I think that this is a, a fascinating story that too often uh, gets uh, marginalized in the, in the Olympics. And it's easy to, to, as you point out, that, you know, to, to push this to the back page of the sports section or the sports show. Uh, and I think that's important uh, going forward. So, yeah, it's good to see that we, you know, again, this tradition, this long tradition of black athletes and black women athletes. Uh, at the Olympics, uh, using this platform to protest uh, against, you know, the injustices uh, and the controversies uh, that they face at home. Yeah, I, and and I think on that note, I got I got nothing to add. Do you have anything else? Because no, no, but we're, we're back, season three, man. I just like yeah, season three. Check it out. You know, we're one season ahead of Ted Lasso. So shout out to us. <laughs> um, no, that's so that's put so perfectly. I think that's a great place to end. So I'm gonna let's let's peace out, man. All peace. right, peace. <laughs>